Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to continue our series there called Blessed. I want to begin with the last song we just sang. It is well with my soul. The story of that, Horatio, Horatio Spafford wrote that song as he was crossing the ocean, going to see his wife, a sole survivor of a boat crash where a boat had sank. He lost all of his children in that boat crash that happened. And as he is crossing over from America to England, the captain calls him and says, Mr. Spafford, this is where the boat went down. And in his cabin, he penned those words. It is well with my soul. Habakkuk chapter 3. The nation is going to be taken into captivity. The Lord has made it clear to Habakkuk. Trouble is coming. Habakkuk knows what is going to be at hand. And he writes these words. Though the fig tree should blossom, should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive should fail and the fields produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there be no cattle in the stalls, I will exalt the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and He has made my feet like hinds' feet and makes me walk on my high, on high places. He said that even though things are bad, He would be joyful. He was making a choice and choosing the Lord first before His circumstances. Ladies and gentlemen, i got great news for you today. We have a person we can rely on, that we can connect with, that we can be intimate with, that will give us joy in the midst of our greatest loss and our greatest pain. It comes through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And today, as we lean into this idea, we want to know how can you be joyful in the midst of pain? Because I, I got news for you. We live in a world, we live in a place which there is plainly much suffering going on. There's a lot of hurting, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of stuff that happens, and it is around us, and it is common. But how can we have joy? How can we walk through that? I can tell you that according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But how can we wrap our minds around such a statement? Yeah, Jesus said it. It sounds great. Man, it makes you want to go, you I'm going to be comforted one day. But how do we grab hold of what Habakkuk had when he said, though all the food, all the fruit, all the animals, though the, the land is going to be destroyed, we're being carried off into captivity, I'm going to exalt in my Lord. How do we do that? Is that really important? Well, I do know that W.W. Weeks has said something that I think is just so good. It is only when we lay our broken heart upon his broken heart that we discover the comforter as well as the Savior. Pastor, do you mean Jesus' heart is broken? Yes, it is. But maybe not over the same things that your heart is broken. We will get into that because that, I think, is the key to understanding Matthew chapter 5. This morning in Sunday school, I would encourage you to come to Sunday school if you do not already. 
Jayanna read some scripture that I think is powerful. Lamentations is a lament. It is a sorrow. It is a pouring out of the heart. Listen to what is in Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 19, remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. There is a bitterness, there is a, there is a, a sorrow, a deep hurt and a pain in this lament. But listen, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Comfort brings us hope. And hope brings us comfort. And we have to be careful that we don't let the wrong hope bring us comfort because the comfort is standing on sand and can be swept away by the next tidal wave. This is what I recall to mind and what I base my hope on. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let me tell you something. What happens here is this lament turns into a worship session. This morning when we sang, it is well with my soul. Some of you, I know, are hurting. Some of you have experienced loss and experienced pain. And either you're in the midst of it or you're about to go through it. Or maybe you've been dealing with it for years. Maybe it's been rejection, the loss of a dream, a loss of a loved one, the loss of, of something. And you're hurting and you're grieving. Let me tell you something. When you turn your heart to worship and begin to praise God, He'll do something inside of you. And that was beautiful this morning. And there is this sense, this idea when we look at Matthew chapter 5 that there is a horizontal mourning that goes on because we all lose something. If you've ever lost a loved one, raise your hand and say, I'm in that boat. I'm in that boat. I've, I've lost my father. I've lost many loved ones and friends. I have cried. I have wept. I lost the dream of playing with Stephen Curtis Chapman one day, being his bass player. That's what I was hoping for. One day I'd be playing with Stephen Curtis Chapman on a stage somewhere. And I had to let that dream go. I had to move on. Because God had a plan for me that I did not ha have in my head or in my heart, but he had something in store for me that he had to get me ready for. And that is being here with you today. Sometimes loss is good. Thank you, God, for what you've given and what you've taken away. But sometimes that that's mourning and that hurt and that pain is so hard to deal with and we're looking for hope we're looking for comfort what do we do everyone experiences sorrow everyone experiences pain but i want us to lean into just a little bit of matthew chapter 5 i want to remind you that god's promises and god's presence will bring us hope and comfort and god's presence through the holy spirit is with us psalm 34 18 says that he is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those crushed in spirit. We can hold on that to, onto that because it's a promise from the Bible, not from my feelings. Because I'll tell you, you will not find comfort in just your feelings. Your pain and your emotion will take you to depression and absolutely surrender of giving up on life. But when you grab hold of God's promises, it will give you life and help you go forward. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what word I love in that? Through. That's a promise. This is a season. I'm going to get to the other side. I want to give you, this is free of charge, not even in my notes. Do not try to get over loss. It's okay to not get over it. 
with God's help, just get through it. Because when you get over it, there's a sense that you're going to be afraid that you're going to forget. It's okay to not get over it and hurt. But get through it with God's promises, His presence. Now, I want us to begin to really lean into Matthew chapter 5 now that I've, I've hit kind of the horizontal level of mourning. And I think it's very important, and I don't want to, to uh, uh, minimize or lessen the pain that we experience. But I really believe that when we look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, that Jesus is talking about much more than grief of loss. I think there is something here that may change your life. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I can tell you this about being blessed, and you can write this down in your notes. If you don't have your notes, we've got them available. They're available online. You can find it through the U version. But I want you to write this down. A brokenness comes before a blessing. Do you see that? Blessed are those who mourn. What comes first? The mourning. The morning comes before the blessing. The morning comes before the comfort. As a matter of fact, if, there, if there's not any morning, there's no need for any comforting. And if there's not any morning or comforting, then there is no blessing, huh? So I, this begs a great question. Then why do we have to hurt? Why skip that step, get rid of the need for comfort, and just be blessed? Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's go home. Got news for you. You and I live in a broken world. You and I are broken. And everything around us is broken because of sin. We cannot escape pain. We cannot escape loss. We cannot escape messing up and sinning. I am absolutely convinced that, that just looking on the surface level, taking this out, putting it on Twitter or Instagram, it, it, it's a great thing to bring somebody hope, especially if they're hurting. But I think Jesus is bringing home a point that you and I need to grab hold of as Christians because our community, our country, our world, our churches are missing what Jesus is saying. It has to deal with sin. Oh, come on now, Pastor. You're not going to start, talk, start talking about sin, are you? Yes, I am. Sometimes people ask me, so what are you preaching on Sunday? I have recently been asked that, and I said, I'm preaching on the stage, Mike. <laughs> or I'll say, I'm preaching on sin. I'm against it. <laughs> well, today I am preaching on sin. God has led me in this verse to a place that I think we as a church need to hear. We as believers, Christians, need to hear about sin. When we look at this, we have to understand that there is so much weight carried in the words of Christ. Last week we saw in verse 3, Blessed are those, fully satisfied are those who are spiritually bankrupt. Those who bring nothing to the table that realize, you know what, I have nothing good to offer, nothing to bring, only to Christ I cling. There is nothing good in me except for the Holy Spirit, and that I bring. But I want you to listen to this. If you take that context, 
Context is important, right? <laughs> Context of it being about this spiritual life, then let's really grab hold of what this is saying. Blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. This morning has the same level. Matthew used a word that is the most powerful one he could have used here for mourning. It's lamenting. It is a deep, absolute moving of the soul and the spirit and the heart. And it's not simply over the loss of something in your life, but over sin. Let me tell you today, if we keep it within this spiritual context, could Jesus be saying, Fully satisfied are those who mourn over their sin. For they will be comforted. Ladies and gentlemen, to me, that's a great promise. That is a great promise that it's not about the event or the situation. This is about a vertical mourning of sin telling someone yesterday we live in a country in a world and in a community that no longer mourns over sin but justifies sin makes sin legal so that you can feel better about your sin and you, you make excuses for the sin well everybody's doing it or God forbid well I'm saved it's alright I can go ahead and do this Here's something I want to make clear today. There is an absolute difference. I want you to grab hold of. There is a conquering work of sin by Christ and a killing work of sin by the Christian. There is the conquering work of grace and the empowering work of grace. I believe today we have to grab hold of that. We just don't get our ticket punched and we're done. Ladies and gentlemen, sin needs to be dealt with in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives before we can see it dealt with in our communities and in our country and in our world. It begins at home. I was reading this week in a small book that I was given by someone. And in here was this idea that the majority of the mental illness that a lot of people may have, not everybody, because some people have some serious things going on, whether it's chemical or, or other things, but a majority of what's happening in mental illness is people refusing to deal with sin in their life. And I would agree with that. Because God has designed us. As a matter of fact, can I just go ahead and jump to 1 Peter? Let me just go ahead and get there. I've got to find it in my notes. I'm, I'm all over the place. But 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 says this, But now you must be holy in everything you do. I'm going to read that again. But now, does that mean today? Does that mean tomorrow as well? But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a work of Christ that conquers sin in our life, but there is a work of the Christian that needs to kill sin in our life, and we refuse to deal with it. 
We want to just hold on to the grace and the love of God, but I'm here to tell you today there's more to it, ladies and gentlemen. We need to get serious about our spiritual walk of following after Christ, being like Christ, and deal with those sins in our life that we like to just kind of hang on to. You want to know why, why we do? Because we delight in them. Our flesh delights in sin. Our flesh has a desire for sin. But according to what Jesus wrote, not what I wrote, we are to be holy as He is holy. He said, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Does everything include going to school? Does everything include going to work? Does everything include being retired? Does everything include being a shut-in at home and only being able to watch church at home? Does everything include being at a birthday party? Does everything include being in conflict with somebody? Does everything include driving your car? In everything, we are to be holy. How do we get there? Because I know some of you are going, Oh, now, Pastor, I can tell you right now, this guy sitting next to me, he's far from holy. Pastor, I can tell you right now, this, this lady next to me, she ain't even close to being holy. I want you to come on, brother, and keep on preaching. She needs to hear this. <laughs> Careful. You just proved yourself that you need to hear the message. This morning, we have got to understand that there's a brokenness that comes before the blessing. Let us lean into this idea of Christ conquers sin and we kill sin. Dietrich Bonhoeffer called this idea of just getting saved grace as cheap grace. It's really cheap just to think you're getting a ticket punched going to heaven. Real grace, the grace that calls Christ his life, not only saves you from sin, but saves you in sin so that you may kill that sin. God's grace is sufficient not only for your salvation, but your sanctification. And we have to understand sin is something God takes serious. Let me tell you something. Sin is not a mistake. It's not a habit. It is rebellion against God. I'm going to say that again so somebody can write this down. Because rebellion is not a mistake. It's not a habit. It is rebellion against against a holy and living God. Sin is not defined by our culture. It's not defined by your friends. It's not defined by what's popular or unpopular. It's not archaic. It's not what the old timers considered sin. It's what God Himself has said sin since the beginning of time. And when He inspired men and women in the Bible, He inspired them to reveal to us what sin is. It is solely and strictly based on what God says sin is, not Washington. Not your mama, not your daddy, not your brother, not your sister, not the mayor, not your school teacher, not your friend at school, not Twitter, not Instagram, not Facebook. The definer of sin is right here. It's the holy word of God and a holy God himself. And when he says it's sin, it's sin and you need to deal with it. Now I could sit here and start listing awesome stuff, but I don't have to because... I believe the Holy Spirit already re reveals and works in you to reveal some things in your life. 
Because I am not here to give you a list. I'm not here to put shackles upon you to place you under bondage of, oh boy, now more pressure. I've got to perform, got to perform, got to perform. But here's the thing. Look at verse 5. It's not about performing and being perfect. It's about mourning over the sin in your life. Because when we mourn, we are blessed because God will comfort us in, in, in transforming and purifying us and purifying our heart and purifying our mind. The power of the church has left because the people have stopped repenting of sin. Whoa, where'd that come from? I believe the power of the church in America is gone because it's all about pleasing people, make people feel good. Let's just, let's just win them over. Let's love them. Let's bring them in. Let's tell them about Jesus. Let me tell you something. I'm not here to tell you about Jesus. I'm here to introduce you to the man who can fix the problems in your life. I'm here to tell you that what you've been looking for has been this issue of sin being dealt with in your life and letting Christ do the work in you and through you so that you can live the life he's asked for you. It's not about performing. It's not about a to-do list or check-off list. It is an attitude of the heart. It is an understanding and a true, clear knowledge of what sin is and how does God see sin. That is what's at stake here. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of death? He struggled for righteousness. This man who, who, who planted churches, who was a missionary, righteousness can be a, cannot be accomplished apart from a mourning over our sin and allowing Christ to do a work. If we, if we just, just push our sin to the side and just cling, hold, cling on to Jesus and never deal with our sin, we're only going to go so far spiritually. We're only going to go so far spiritually. We're only going to get from Christ what we're willing to give to Christ. We have to give him our heart, and we must mourn over our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, For the kind of sorrow God wants us to express leads us away from sin and results in salvation. He goes on to say, There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Well, nobody knows. I'm not hurting anybody. This sin that I got in my life, I'm fine. No, you're not. It's leading to death. You are dying and you don't realize it. From the inside, it's eating you away. You keep trying to push it away. You keep trying to do better. But here's the issue with sin. It will not disappear. If you're waiting for that desire to go away, you're going to be waiting too long. Paul said, oh, wretched man that I am. He understood that he was a sin factory. Brokenness cannot justify us. Hear me. Brokenness and tears and having a broken heart cannot justify us. Tears cannot cleanse us from sin. Are you hearing me, people? It's only the blood of Jesus that will cleanse us from sin. It's not Bible reading and going to church that will cleanse you from sin. But it is a broken heart before the Lord. As a matter of fact, write this down. Here's what I want you to know today. Until there is brokenness over sin, there will be no holiness in the heart.
Until there is brokenness over sin, there will be no holiness in the heart. I'm reminded of a man in Scripture that was lifted up by the Jewish people. He was the king of all kings that ever had. Everything goes back to this guy. His name was David. One day this man looked. He saw a woman. He was in a position he knew he could see her, by the way. And she knew that he could see her. That's my stance on that. And the choice was made. Sin resulted. He tried to hide it. He tried. He went so far as to have her husband killed. This man's name was David. David thought he had it hid. And then one day somebody, God revealed to this man named Nathan, and he came to David, told him a story about a lamb and taking a lamb from this, this neighbor that only had this precious lamb, taking it away from him and killing him. And David became enraged. Who is this man that would do such thing? And Nathan looked at him and said, you are that man. And David began to respond in a very God-honoring way. When Saul was confronted by a prophet about his sin, he tried to justify it. He tried to make excuses for it. He even tried to push it to the side so he could remain in power and have his position and said, Samuel, would you come back with me? Yeah, I've messed up. But how, how about just come back with me so everybody will know that everything's going to be okay. He was justifying sin. Ladies and gentlemen, stop justifying sin in your life and making excuses. It is hindering what God has for you. But here's the promise. Brokenness comes before blessing. And it's only when we have a broken heart that holiness of heart can come. Look at... If you want to, in Psalm chapter 51, this is where David begins to write what happens. As soon as he realizes, oh man, I've been caught. Oh, by the way, brokenness is not simply being sorry you got caught. That's not brokenness. Just because you are sorry, oops, somebody found out. Brokenness it's what happens between you and God. No excuses. Look at what David says in Psalm 51. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, your mercy. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones with which you have broken rejoice. 
Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit that I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation, then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, you will not despise by your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. The young bulls will be offered on your altar. What happens to David is he begins to come to God and he pours out his heart. And he, he understands. Do you, do you notice what he did not ask for? Lord, I pray that you will give me an accountability partner so that don't happen again. David did not say, well, God, if she had not been out there. If I hadn't had the day that I'd had, then that never would have happened. You don't read where David says, Lord, if you could just, if you could just fix it so I don't like women so much. It's not what David says. David says, I have sinned, and I have sinned against you. Oh, God, purify my heart. There is a real essence that until God's people get to the point of mourning over sin, sin will keep God's people from experiencing a holy and true living God. As long as we think it's okay, it's all right. Well, this sin isn't as big as that other sin. Sin is sin, and it's against God. Remember what sin is? It's rebellion against God. It does not matter the size of it. It is rebellion against God. That little white lie? Rebellion against God. That adultery? Rebellion against God. Murder? A rebellion against God taking that thing from that guy that he's got so many of them he will never even miss it. Rebellion against God. And until we get serious about that which separates us from God, we'll never know the closeness of God. So today, as we look at this scripture that says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's a promise that it will come. When we pour our hearts before God over the wretchedness of our own sin in our life, when we mourn over that, there's a promise that we will be fully satisfied in that condition because Christ will bring us comfort for He is the one who can forgive us and transform us from within. But until we mourn over our sin, we will never understand being fully satisfied. We'll never understand the comfort that Christ can bring in all of that.
John 3.17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. As you come with a broken heart to God, Christ conquered sin. And in this period, in this season of time, as we approach Him with a broken heart, He deals with the sin. He forgives us. He chooses to remember no more, no longer bringing it up. And He will cleanse us. If we confess, then He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But here's here's what we like to do. Oops, God, I messed up again. Sorry. Stop cheapening grace. Stop spitting on Christ on the cross. Do you think your sin was simply worth the, oops, I messed up? It nailed Jesus to a cross. We must take our sin serious. We must look inward. As a matter of fact, one guy said, it was a great, great quote. Samuel Rutherford. Thank you, Edith. Seek a broken heart for sin. For that there, without that, there is no meeting with Christ. So let's begin with, what are we to do with this? I'm going to say it again. Sin is not just a habit. It's not just a mistake. It's not just an oops. It's not just something that doesn't matter. Sin is rebellion against God Himself. So as believers, many of us understand intellectually what it means to be forgiven. But experientially, after knowing Christ and being born again, we must be about the killing work of sin in our life. Let us not become like many in the first century church that felt, oh, well, I've been forgiven. Christ died on the cross. I've accepted him. Since he died for all of my sins, let grace more abound, baby. I'm going to sin more and more so that there's more grace in my life. Hallelujah, come on, let's go. I bet none of you would have that attitude, but yet we will have the attitude of, well, this little one don't matter. This pride in my life, it doesn't matter. This power I must have doesn't matter. This, you know... They're never going to know that I kept a dollar. That doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. I'll tell you who knows every bit of that. It's God himself. The Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you has been trying to convict you over that and let you know it is wrong for so long, whatever it is. And you've been ignoring it, pushing it away, going, "Ah, I like doing it too much. I delight in this. But yet there's a part of you that's wanting to be set free. Here's the... Here's the thing I want you to take away with today. What to do is this. Seek to have a broken heart over sin. 
Seek to have a broken heart over sin. Not just an intellectual knowledge about sin, but a broken heart over sin. And it begins first in your heart and in your life and then pours out to the broken heart of the sin you see around us in your family, in the community, in this world. And your heart breaks because they are so entrapped by sin. They need that conquering work of Christ to bring them to that relationship so that the killing work of Christ can begin to take place and purify us and sanctify us but are we really broken over sin we live in such a society we have become so calloused to sin so calloused so unaffected by the sin around us and in our society and in our community pastor how how do I move from a calloused heart to a broken heart over sin Pastor, I know what I'm doing is wrong. I know the attitude I have is wrong. I know the things that I'm saying is wrong, but I just don't know how to get where you're saying to get this broken heart over sin. I'm not crying over it. Here's some things that I think you need to do. In Scripture, oftentimes, when people mourn, they'd put on sackcloth and ashes. I'm not going to ask you to put on sackcloth and ashes. That's not... It's not where this is going, but this whole concept of putting yourself in a place that says that I am in a place of mourning will bring about the proper mourning that needs to happen. So how about this? Let's start with this. Number one, how do you have a broken heart? Stop making excuses for your sin. No more excuses. No more blaming it on other people, blaming it on your, your personality, blaming it on your upbringing, bl blaming it on your pain. Stop bringing up excuses and just quit that. And just absolutely understand that you will no longer try to justify what is happening and why you're doing it. I was tired. I wasn't thinking. They made me mad. They did me wrong. Sin is sin. It's rebellion against God. Stop making excuses. Grow up. Take responsibility. Stop making excuses and take responsibility. I messed up. I sinned against you, God, and you alone. We see that in David. David deals with that sin. He mourns over that sin. He says, God, I sinned against you and you alone. I, you know... Personally, I look at that and I go, dude, you killed a man, stole his wife, and the baby died. You messed up a whole bunch of people. But he understood his sin was first and foremost against God and God alone. So he had to deal with it. So stop making excuses, take responsibility, and eagerly and passionately ask God to help you see your sin through his eyes. Some of you won't do that. And I'll tell you why. You delight too much in your sin. You don't want to go beyond the sin in your life because you're enjoying it too much. You desire it too much. And you're not quite ready to say, God, I want to see this through your eyes. You want to continue to see it through your own. Let me remind you what it says in Corinthians. Worldly sorrow will bring about death. Godly sorrow will bring about repentance. And it brings life. The choice is yours. 
Does sin hurt you as much as it hurts God? Does your sin cause you to grieve, be sick? I imagine you're probably disappointed with yourself. Oftentimes, you probably are. Does it weigh on you, prompting you to repentance and calling on God? Do you ever feel that your sin has divided you from a rich relationship from a God who loves you so much he died on the cross for, for you? If you want to do something about it, this morning the altar is going to be open and you can come and pray and you can lament and you can ask God to forgive you however you want to do that. But here's a challenge this week for you. I want you to pray this. I dare you to pray it every day if you want to do something about the sin in your life. Father, show me my sin and help me see it the way you see it. Show me my sin and help me see it the way you see it. I want you to know as your pastor, I do these things before I tell you about them oftentimes. And you think, oh, you're, you're the pastor. What in the world would you have to deal with? Got news for you. On my knees, when I prayed that, God began to show me something. And I began to see it through his eyes, and I repented. Am I going to continue to struggle with that sin? Of course I am. Why? Because I live in a broken body and a broken world. It's not a one and done. But I'll tell you this. No more excuses. I'm taking responsibility. And I'm seeking God to forgive me and to change me so that no longer will that sin have hold of me. Because if Christ can conquer sin on the cross, then Christ can kill sin in my life as I live it. Let us embrace what Christ has done. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Let's not laugh at sin. Let's not find joy in sin, but let us grieve because of sin. Father, today we come to you. Oh, wretched man that I am, I come. Seeking that you will work upon our hearts and our minds to tear away the enslavement of sin. That our minds and our hearts will be moved to mourn over sin in our life so that we may be fully satisfied and comforted. Lord, we will know no comfort until there is brokenness. We'll know no holiness until there is brokenness over sin. We must deal with it. Let us stop making excuses. Let us take responsibility. Let us seek you. See sin for what it is.
do a work in our hearts today that will move us a step closer to being like Jesus. Lord, for the one that has never accepted you, that does not have a relationship with you, that's never been born again or saved, the one that is lost, Lord, as it's been asked in Scripture, what must I do to be saved? To be born again. For Jesus said, we must be born again. God, we acknowledge we're sinners. We have nothing to bring. We're spiritually bankrupt and we are sorrowful and broken over the sin in our life, realizing that we have sinned against you and you alone. So, Father, convict that heart, that mind. Let them understand. Let them see clearly that they need you. Let them ask you to take over their life so that they can have a relationship with you. Lord, it's just like you to say that fully satisfied are those who mourn over their sin. For they shall be comforted. Something that's so contradictory to this world is so true for you. Work in our hearts and our minds, oh Lord. Help us deal with sin. Help us walk after you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.